Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is E.T. here. You're tuned to the one and only podcast about Japan, uh, formerly known as Teaching English in Japan Podcast. T-E-I-J-G is our little uh, acronym we made back in the day, but I think we're just going to change the name to The Japan Podcast, which is a weekly look at what's going on over there in the land of the rising sun. News, culture, music... And, of course, my commentary on all those subjects. Oh, yeah, probably a little technology, too, gaming, you know, all that good stuff. Okay, somebody drop that track, and let's get into the podcast. Okay, let's get to the first story of the day. The first story of the day is, of course... About the little uh, kerfuffle, a little bit of beef over the old, um, I can't pronounce the way the Japanese say it, the Diaoyu Islands, or the Senkaku in Japanese. A little bit of islands that are kind of um, in between Okinawa and Korea and kind of in the Taiwan area. If you follow the Japanese archipelago all the way past Okinawa, it kind of looks looks like they... uh, they form a li- kind of line in between all of those. But basically, these islands have been disputed for a long time. And about a week or so ago, China decided they were going to declare a air defense identification zone. So what they said is anybody that flies in here must identify themselves or um, things might happen, let's say. So um, I think before I talk about that, let's get to the root of the problem. These These handful of little teeny rocky islands that nobody's going to build anything on the only interest i see and this is from having you know uh wow about 10 years plus of of living in japan and you know studying kind of over in that general vicinity of of asian uh history and and uh, society and all that society uh let's see sociology history and all kinds of stuff like that. But anyways, these islands, they're really nothing. A bunch of rocks. And uh, I thought they were actually closer to Japan than I thought. Then I pulled up the globe and, and, and I had a look at them. Those buggers are really close to Japan and Taiwan. I mean, uh, China and Taiwan. But uh, the only reason I think that China and Japan are disputing these, um, basically, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other reasons, but I think, this is my opinion... And uh, it's in my po- it's my podcast, so I'm entitled to it. Is that there are fishing rights, mineral rights, drilling, gas, and oil, and all that stuff kind of rights. Supposedly, that area of of Asia has um, some rich deposits of natural gas, oil, and of course, um, fishing. Believe it or not, you know, fishing is huge. That's why Japan and other countries are trying to make sure. Any little teeny islands that barely stick out of the water, even with the, the, the tides rising because of, you know, climate change, global warming, whatever you call it, still still manage to be, to be islands. So they'll build little things on top of it just so they can keep their, you know, sovereignty of that country, which expands their, you know, their zone, economic zone for fishing and mineral rights and all that kind of stuff so in my humble opinion opinion besides the whole world war ii 
and previous irritations between Japan, China, and Korea. Um, which is a whole another conversation. We'll have another day, maybe. Uh, this is, I think, the main reason. People are getting greedy, you know. China's growing fast. Japan, you know, grew fast, and they're kind of in their, you know, they're kind of in a like a little stagnation going on. Korea's kicking butt. <clears throat> Excuse me, but uh, everybody needs oil. Everyone needs uh, natural gas or fossil fuels, and fishing, food. You know, Japan doesn't have much. Um, what do you call it? Tillable, I guess. Tillable, farmable real estate compared to China and you know so fishing it, it, the fishing industry is huge in Japan and China of course Korea as well so I think I think these are the reasons why this is going down and now you know it's it's getting to be a little sketchy cuz Korea Japan and America are like well we, we're not gonna listen to this but of course the businesses who do business between all three countries they're kind of, they're kind of like you know we'll, we'll we're gonna announce that we're flying through this zone just in case we don't want to you know piss anybody off, but then of course the Japanese government the Korean government the American government doesn't want to say you know f you we're, we'll do what you, what we want, so it's it's sketchy but Korean American and Japanese planes have been like okay you put up these lines we're gonna test we're we're calling your bluff here you know we're gonna fly planes through here. The Americans flew some B-52, B-52s, was that right? Some kind of planes, I'm pretty sure it's B-52s, unarmed. Why would they be flying B-52s? Those are old as dirt, so. I could be wrong on the flight, but I'm pre I thought I said B-52s, but I could be wrong. So they're flying some, some bombers through there with nothing on them. Some planes through there, I should say. Uh, Korean ships, Japanese ships, Japanese planes, they're like, you know, F you. We don't. We're not subscribing to this new little zone you, you made here. We're just going to do what we're going to do. And China has, you know, um, scrambled some fighters to kind of go investigate to see what's going on. But n nothing has really gotten too crazy yet. But this is a uh, very, very touchy situation. And I, uh, I don't know. Over some little teeny islands... And, you know, like I said, I have, I'm pretty sure they don't even care about the islands. All they care about is fishing rights and mineral and, you know, gas, natural natural gas, oil, and all, and all those kinds of rights. So, yeah, it's it's going to be... You can watch this because every day in the news, if you follow any of the Japanese news or the Asian news, you'll, you'll see little bits of here, little bits of there. So I hope it doesn't get blown out of proportion. Vice principal, vice principal, <laughs> been teaching too long. Vice President Biden is over there, and he kind of, he didn't, he kind of backed Japan, but didn't necessarily say, "Hey, China, you can't do that." So he's toting two lines there, you know, being political, being a politician, as they are. They don't make any, usually they don't make any black and white decisions. Usually shades of gray in there. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm gonna put a link up in the show notes. I want you to have a look at the map. And just kind of check out the area. And that, that whole area over there and, and some other areas um, in between the Philippines and China. And there's a lot, a lot of uh, beef going on around there. And, and most of it is for, I'm pretty sure, 90-something percent sure, oil, natural gas, fishing, 
And I don't, they don't even, I'm sure the countries don't even care about these little teeny rocks out there. They just want the resources that come with them. So, yeah. Can, I don't know, man. But there's, there's, a, there's another good article I just found that says, Can a sunken rock unite Japan and Korea? So it looks like this article from Bloomberg, it is, they're talking about how this little beef, this little zone that China made is actually helping China, not China, I'm going to get confused here, Korea and Japan kind of, you know, play together, which historically Korea's got beef with Japan because of the air quotes here, colonization. <laughs> And of course, atrocities during the war, World War Two, and before. And China and the rest of Asia definitely have beef with Japan because of the, the World War Two and the atrocities. But uh, looks like because of this little line that that China drew, and it kind of it really affects this whole region. Affects everyone: Taiwan, Korea, Japan, China. You know the whole that little area right there. This this a big big portion that needs to be that was sussed out until China drew their little uh, they, they moved the boundaries so they can make their, their field bigger basically but yeah I don't know I'm going to link it up in the show notes you guys can definitely uh, read up on it and find out a little bit more information I think most importantly if you look at the map of the Senkaku Islands or the Diaoyu Diaoyu which is what the Chinese call them. But yeah, check it out. Let me know what you think. Drop a comment at the blog, which is teijj.com. T-E-I-J-G.com. So let's move on to the next story. What do we got next? Okay, next we roll into something that's kind of historical and really interesting to, to myself. Um, this was about some subs that were found off of the... A mega sub that was found off the coast of Hawaii. And this sub was actually scuttled after the war. And there were several subs that were scuttled after the war, several ships that were scuttled after the war. But these ones were actually mega subs. And I had to look up on the Wikipedia to get some more information about them. But they're the uh, I-400 class Sentoku. And um, let's see, the largest submarines in World War II and basically re remained the largest ever built until the construction of nuclear ballistic submarines in the 60s. And they would actually permit three Aichi M6A Seran aircraft um, to be stored and then launched from these submarines. Once the submarine actually reached close to their target, they launched the three bombers. The bombers would do their mission, drop their bombs, and then come back. And then a crane would actually pick up the planes from in the water and then fold the wings and and put them back into their their submarine hangar, I guess they call it, and then the submarine would submerge and disappear. Th these things had a range of like they can circumnavigate the world one and a half times without refueling. So these things were pretty mean for for the end of you know for the era of the, in the you know early early to mid forties. And you can read the Wikipedia page. There's also a really really interesting article about the Trans-Pacific voyage of this. One of these, the HIJMS I-400, by a Navy crew. They took it from Sasebo Air Force, Sasebo Navy Base in Japan, all the way to Hawaii, and made various stops. But the the story that comes from this this 
really old looking web page is perhaps the most interesting part. It kind of talks about when they first got there, the surrender, and um, the hijinks that the U.S. Navy guys had at their multiple stops on their way to Hawaii. Because, you know, it, it's a long trip from Japan to Hawaii, and they stop at multiple islands along the way. And it's, it's really interesting, so I highly recommend you have a read. I'll also link up to some videos that show footage of it and do a little story about it. I think it's from Discovery or National Geographic, but I'll link up to that as well. But yeah, these these mega subs were really interesting. Of course, they're a little little bit too late at, at the time of the war. But the plan, I guess, was originally to send these with three three bombers and hit cities like New York and Los Angeles to you know install fear into the American people. I mean, of course, three planes is not going to win a war, but when you're dropping bombs in the middle of New York or, or Los Angeles, it's going to wake people up and bring the, the war home to the Americans. was going to. That was the plan, anyways. Which really, after Pearl Harbor, and one would argue that Hawaii was is not really part of America. It is, but it isn't. So the American homeland didn't really feel any tax at all. So I thought it was a really good read. So you might want to, if you're interested in this kind of stuff, I'll link it up in the show notes over at teijg.com okay the next story we'd like to wish a happy birthday to what is it to uh, princess masako she reached the ripe old age of 50 and i think i would call it the young age of 50 because these days most people are living up into the 90s, 80, late 80s, 90s, maybe in the 100s, especially the Japanese, they live a long time. So she's she's hit that mid midpoint of her life. She said, you know, some some dealings with s- the stress of being the, the empress and not being able to actually communicate with normal people. But uh, she, I guess she's doing pretty well. Supposedly, uh, the article talks about her performing her duties as the princess and focusing on the children and things like that. But yeah, happy birthday, Masako. And actually, she I believe she went to university in the United States, and her English is really good. So it's its a, its too bad that, you know, she can't get out there and uh, be a spokesperson for Japan or, or causes in Japan and things like that. But, yeah, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Happy birthday, Masako. Next story let's roll into is about the Kohaku. And you, you might want to know, what the heck is this Kohaku thing you're talking about? Well, let me tell you. The Kohaku is a end-of-the-year, um, what would you call it? Shindig. So there's two teams, the, the, the red and the white. Yeah, the red team and the white team. So they have, it's like a singing extravag- extravaganza. And what is it? The 64th Kohaku Uta Gasen. Which, you know, whatever the heck that means in Japanese. Uta is song, kohaku, whatever. Basically, it's a big New Year's Eve music program that they've, they've done for 64 years now. So Red Team, I'm going to read off some of the members. And they just announced these for the 2014. We have Aiko, we have E-Girls, we got AKB48, SKE, NMB4848. Let's see, anybody else that I like? Hamasaki Ayumi. Um... Matsuda Seiko, Fuji Ayako, Perfume. Oh, Perfume would be pretty cool. Dreams Come True. I like Dreams Come True. And on the white team, we have Arashi, Exile, Chris Hart. 
Go Hiromi, Kobukuro, Smap, TM Revolution, Tokyo. Let's see who. Uh, pornography. Pornography. <laughs> Porno, pornography. And uh, who else do we have? Uh, Yuzu. So, yeah, it looks like a nice balanced mix. I'm not sure who's going to win, but it looks like Arashi is hosting it. And I believe last year was Smap that hosted it. But it'll be pretty good. I, I like watching the end of the year New Year's programming in Japan. It's, it's really um, it's really cool, I think. There's, there's lots of variety shows and 24-hour telethon type things. And, and uh, what else? Uh, music Station, Music Awards, Countdowns, all kinds of stuff like that. It's really, really... For a, such a short period of time, you get a nice peek into... Japanese culture for the year, yeah. So the 2013 beginning 2014. If you didn't watch any TV at all the whole year, and you sat down to watch some of these, you would get an idea of what who was popular and what was happening during during this this period of time. So it's gonna be pretty cool. And the best thing about it, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but if you look on YouTube and Daily Motion, you can probably find some of these video clips. As a matter of fact, yesterday with my MacBook Pro on Daily Motion and YouTube for that matter, and I was using my Chromecast to broadcast it to my TV, I was watching Downtown with Matsumoto Hamada-san, the comedy variety show. I was watching Hey Hey Hey, another music show with those guys. I was watching Smap, Smap at a Special. What was it Smap Go? And I was watching um, a couple other dramas and things like that. Carmen Ryder, the Go Say Job, Power Rangers, all kinds of stuff. Right on YouTube. And the cool thing is with the $35 Chromecast, you can just blast it up to your TV. And it's good to go. Or if you have a Roku box. Roku doesn't have YouTube anymore, but they have Daily Motion, which has a lot, a lot, a lot of Japanese content. And Korean content, for that matter, if you're interested in K-pop or, or uh, K-dramas and things like that. You can... With a little bit of clever searching, you can find a lot of good stuff. So, um, yeah, the Kohaku should be fun. I, I kind of wish I could figure out how to watch it live. Sometimes people are nice enough to stream it on Ustream or Justin TV illegally. But, I mean, I would pay for it. If, if NHK or any of these com companies would actually put a live stream up, I would pay for it. It would be rather interesting. And But, you know... If we don't live in Japan or you don't live in an area like Hawaii or L.A. or Seattle or places that you can get the um, NGN TV, it's going to be, you know, you'll be able to find it. You might have to wait a day or two or three or a week, but some nice people will record it and upload it for us and we'll be able to check it out. But I'll link up to This comes from TokyoHive.com and this is a site I just found I think I saw it a while ago, but I, I didn't bookmark it, but I, I stumbled upon it again, and I'm pretty stoked about it. It's got some good pop culture information about music and, and Japanese drama, so kind of gives you an idea of what to look for and what's happening in the old Japanese culture. Next story is about the new island that formed off the coast of Japan. Uh, it's about five island, no, five islands, five, 500 meters away from Nishinoshima. And uh, let's see, about three weeks ago, it kind of broke through the ocean and it formed the initial island. But th this thing has grown 3.7, it's 3.7 
times bigger than it was. So I'm going to give you some measurements here. Let's see. Uh, how big is it now? Highest point is 30 meters. And let's see. Land area is about 56,000 square meters. So it, it's growing pretty quickly. And, and on I got this from Akihabara News. They have a nice article and a looks like an image from the Japanese weather service that has um, the initial and then a few uh, November 21st, December 1st, and December 4th. And it's pretty growing pretty, ex you know, exponentially. Of course, you won't want to live there for a few hundred years, but eh, Japan's growing. Okay, let's see. What other story? I think we're going to do about one more story, and we're going to call it a day. But the last story of the day is about 47 Ronin. 47 Ronin is a very, very popular novel or, or book or story about um, these samurai whose master was killed, and they basically hung low on the down low and did their normal thing and basically schemed and planned to kill the person that killed their that was responsible for the death of their master. And what this the new movie is with Keanu Reeves and the girl I forgot her name from um from Pacific Rim, which was I thought an awesome movie. I liked it a lot. I don't care what anybody says. But uh the article here talks about how it wasn't really hasn't really been a success. It's been more of a flop in Japan, and this comes from Jap uh, Wall Street Journal's blogs.wallstreetjournal.com. But the only thing is they they wrote the article and they they, they quote the, how much money it, it made. But then they interviewed a couple people on the street, and they were all like fifty three and sixty four, and I'm like, really? You interviewed two retired, pretty much retired dudes, and you know you didn't bother to try to find, you know, kind of a wide demographic scope of people to interview. And they said, oh, it was weird and strange and doesn't follow the, the normal story. But I don't think this movie is geared at people who are, you know, at retirement age. It, it would be geared toward, you know, young, you know, I would say teen, teenage to 20s, mid-30s, 40s, you know, younger. Not 50, 60, 70. But that's, that's just a after reading it, you know, yeah, I think it looks kind of weird. From the previews, I'm like, really? I'm not sure I'm a, I want to spend money on this. I knew that from the previews. But then reading this article, and they said the people that they interviewed were like, um, what did this one guy say? It was strange, didn't follow the story. So I don't know. I thought that they could have done a little, dug a little bit deeper. I mean, it's a Wall Street Journal, but it's, I mean, it's, quote-unquote, only their blogs page, but you're going to interview two people from the same demographic? I think you got to, you know, get a girl, get a guy, a little bit older, a little bit younger, you know, and kind of make it more fair, but that's just my opinion. But what do you think, man? What do you think? 47 Ronin, Keanu Reeves, and the girl from Pacific Rim? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I might have to wait for DVD for that one. Or Netflix. Doesn't look like. But we're going to have to wait till Christmas for It'll be released here December 25th. And December 25th, Christmas evening, is the most, uh, the night where most people go to the movies throughout the year because they're bored after staying home all day with everything closed. But yeah, I think um, I'm probably not going to pay to see this. There's some other movies I pay for. I'll wait for this one to be.
on Netflix or in iTunes a little bit cheaper. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, I think that's it for the show today. Um, I'll give you a little plans for the future. I'm going to most likely push a show a week. I'm, I've uh, decided that I, I, I like doing this podcast, the Japan podcast, T-E-I-J-G, whatever we're going to call it. I do like doing it. It's it's a you know it's a, it's my hobby. It's things I like to do, and I've talked to Tony several times, and he really wants to actually do it as well. But he had a death in the family, as I mentioned, and and as soon as we can get everything organized, we're gonna try to at least have myself and Tony together once a month on the podcast, if not more. I know we can find time. We just it's just a matter of finding time. My current living situation will be changing next year, so I'll have my own place and my own studio in my own room that I can dedicate to podcasting. And then it's just a matter of figuring out a good time for Tony. Hopefully everything will go back to normal in his life. And then uh, we can start hitting the podcast again and be, you know, get the, the banter from the yank and the crank going again. But uh, it's December 13th and I'm not promising, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to get Tony on this stupid Mike, before the end of the year to do something, whether it'll be funny or not, at least he'll be on it and he'll be talking. So let's cross our fingers and maybe we can get him on before the end of the year. If not, I'm going to be pushing out episodes once a week, uh, 30 minutes, an hour, 20 minutes, 40 minutes. I have no idea, but I'm going to try to at least push out one a week. Not saying what day it'll come out, but it'll come out at least once a week. And again, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. If you want to subscribe, head on over to TEIJG.com and hit, hit the subscribe button for uh, iTunes. Or you can just search for us in iTunes. Or if you use apps like Pocket Cast or whatever, you can pretty much search for TEIJG or Japan or something like that, and you'll, you'll find us. But best thing to do is go to the website and, and subscribe from there. That way you can't miss it. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.